Welcome to the Bridging Connections podcast. This podcast will introduce you to the people who are on the cutting edge of Jewish innovation. You will be hearing from founders and directors of contemporary organizations creating new paths to participate in Jewish life. In this podcast, you will learn about best practices, tips for engagement, and how to create meaningful connections. This is a place that will bridge you to the tools and resources used by the Jewish leaders, visionaries, and innovators that are creating a new sustainable Judaism. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gossage, and I welcome you to come bridge the gap with me. Hello, listeners to the Bridging Connections podcast. I'm excited today to be chatting with Craig Dershowitz, the CEO of Artists for Israel. Artists for Israel has a mission to help dispel anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiments amongst the artist community. And I would assume that, and Craig could tell me if I'm wrong, I would assume that that then spreads out to the greater population of everyone because artists, of course, interact with people that aren't artists. I love hearing about all the different initiatives that Artists for Israel has done and is continuing to do. And I'm excited to chat more about them with Craig. Welcome, Craig. Hey, how are you? I'm glad to have you here today. Thank you. So your point about the artists reaching out is absolutely correct. The idea and the reason we reach out to artists is just that. It's that multiplier effect. It's the fact that they have a ton of followers. In fact, the artists we work with, some have million plus followers themselves, you know, each, and their followers are really important and, and, and really look up to the artists. And so they take what they say very strongly and it becomes part of their belief system. And the artists have a terrific ability to, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So we have hundreds of thousands of words going on everywhere. And so that's, yeah, exactly why we talk to the artists, because they are a megaphone for what we have to say. Yes, what came up for me is that art really has lots of expression, and it's wonderful that we have different forms of expressing ourselves that isn't necessarily through words. I love that. 100%. Yeah. Craig, tell me, what was the impetus? What got Artists for Israel started? So there was no intention to start Artists for Israel. Myself and a few friends saw that there was a lot of anti-Israel sentiment in pop culture, and particularly in like, I guess what you would call urban contemporary art forms. And so we went to a lot of the big nonprofit organizations and we said, hey, you have some issues here, right? And in the hip hop community and, and in the black community and the Latinx community, and they said, that doesn't matter. Like, why does hip hop matter, right? Why does this matter? And we said, all right, well, I guess we need to do something. So we said, let's host one event. And we hosted an event that was supposed to be a very small gallery showing graffiti art. And a couple of hundred people came and they were non-Jewish. I wouldn't call that very small. Right, no, it was <laughs> amazing. It became a big issue when the police came, it became a problem. But we saw that we were the only ones that recognized the problem and had the ability to talk and reach the problem. So for all of a sudden, we just did another event and another one. And next thing you knew, people were wanting to join Artists for Israel. And we didn't even know, like that just kind of became our name. That was never even intended to be a name because there was not intended to be an organization. And it just kept growing exponentially to the point where we said, okay, like it's either we fold this because we can't keep up with its growth 
or I leave my job in Morgan Stanley and other people, we leave their jobs and we make a go of it, you know, and we follow the growth and be the stewards of this organization that it needs. Let's talk about you. You mentioned a job at Morgan Stanley. So talk to me about your journey into being an artist and and your journey into being involved with the kinds of people that are wanting to and interested in dispelling this anti-Israel sentiment. So I always have to clarify, I'm not an artist. I just act and look like one. (laughs) I try very hard to have people think that. No, I mean, I'm a writer, which is kind of how I became part of this community, which was I was actually writing for and then became the editor-in-chief of a graffiti publication. And so I was very heavily involved with graffiti artists in the community and the scene. And the publication was growing and I was giving it a little bit more of a political slant, kind of a libertarian (laughs) mixed with anarchy. You know, it was like a graffiti publication. So there was a lot there. And that's just kind of how I became involved in the beginning of our work was through that community and through that set of artists of which like I would dabble growing up in vandalism, but I wasn't who the guys that we now work with who are, you know, massive muralists. And that just expanded into each another, into, you know, every other art form that we worked with. So, you know, I grew up in a housing project in Brooklyn. I grew up kind of poor and understanding urban contemporary art or being part of it in many ways but more as a consumer than a producer and got out of college and decided, you know, I needed to work with Morgan Stanley. I needed to change the trajectory of my life. And so here I am doing all that same stuff again, but this time for good and not for bad. So. And why the passion for dispelling anti-Israel feelings? So it's not just dispelling anti-Israel feelings. There's also creating positive feelings for Israel, right? That's the main objective. Of course, of course. Um, And you know, the, the two are hand in hand, you know, I never really, can give a straight answer to that because it's just something that was kind of born within me. Like all of a sudden, I mean, literally like I woke up and I was like, wow, Israel is my home. Israel is a safe haven for my people. There's so many reasons and it just kind of made sense. I just kind of had to, right? And now I'm married to an amazing Israeli woman. So now I really have to. Well, yes, because you're supporting what she's most connected with and Israel's the place of her birth. Exactly. That makes sense. I mean, and her brothers both served in the army. So I have to, you know, I wish Israel didn't have to have teenagers join an army to protect themselves against all these threats. I also, you know, the main reason is there are so many things that are important to me. And it's very hard to be active in all the different issues and causes that you care about. And so for me, Israel kind of creates a wonderful box to hold them in. Like, I care very much about environmental rights, but I just don't have the capacity and the brain power to do something about that. But Israel is incredible in their environmental stewardship. So by helping Israel, I'm helping the environment. I care very much about women's rights and women's empowerment. And Israel, in comparison to many other places, is very far along in that way. So again, by helping Israel, I'm moving forward in the right direction in that. So that's really become my driving force is how do I do the most good with my work? And I can't think of a better way than supporting the country that helps all these other causes. I love how you started by saying that you care about so many causes. And then, of course, we can't work on every cause we think about. So how do you do the most good within your own capacity? The reason I love that is it resonates so much with me, especially how I'm building Bridges 613 and learning about all these initiatives that are going on throughout our country and beyond that support the Jewish community, Israel, all of these topics that I'm passionate about. And with each one, I think, 
oh, wow, I want to get involved with that. I want to get involved with that. And I'm an empathic person. So I feel strongly about all of them and I'm passionate. So I really appreciate how you looked for the way to reach all your passions in a box that is obtainable and not, you know, getting yourself overwhelmed, Right, which is amazing. Thank I love you. that. Thank you so much. I love that. I'd like you to tell the audience about some of the initiatives that Artists for Israel has done and is continuing to do. So our programming falls into kind of three categories. And the first is our artistic aid and cultural missions to Israel. And, you know, this is incredible because what we do is we bring contemporary artists in a number of art forms that we've selected for strategic reasons. And we bring them to Israel to do humanitarian aid projects in the country. So no matter what, we're helping people in need first and foremost. And then those artists return and they now want to, you know, one, while they're there, they're sharing the message through their social media to their huge followings. And two, when they come back, they want to do work. They want to continue to advocate for the country because they fall in love with it. So two examples of those are mural projects where we paint bomb shelters, buildings in needy communities, whatever. And then our tattoo project where we tattoo over the scars of terror survivors and IDF soldiers injured in combat. And we have a number of other art forms we work with, but those are the two that are most kind of well-known. Our second category is our campus program, which similar to the organization in general, kind of just became a thing it had to be that we had no intention of starting, but a lot of campuses were needing of our work of how we make people how we make the Jewish and pro-Israel groups kind of cool and how we attract a huge audience to come to their events. So we just kind of grew into that space because no one else was doing it. And then the last is very, very close to my heart, the Healing Arts Kits, which is a toolbox that prevents or slows the onset of new cases of post-traumatic stress disorder in children living in vicinity of rocket attacks or other kind of terrorist-related crisis situations. I just want to let that sink in. Those are three huge categories <laughs> that are doing amazing things. Let's go back a little bit to the the first one you talked about, bringing artists for cultural missions and humanitarian aid. And the two projects that you mentioned, I find beautiful because they're both making beauty out of something that is sad or ugly. And what a more beautiful world it would be if we continued to do that. And even, even within our own selves, just to make beauty out of our own negative thoughts and somehow turn those away. Any way we can turn around negativity and make it better sends out higher vibrations to the rest of the world. Absolutely. So I love that. And the second one, the campus programs. Can you tell me some of the campuses that you're doing work on? Oh, wow. I couldn't even begin. We were on, before COVID, we were on 68 right. campuses. So the last academic year that we were allowed to, you know, see people in person without the Zoom lens in front of us, we were on 68 campuses. So, I mean, I couldn't even begin. Wow. You know, one of my favorites, I don't know if they'll be hearing this, but uh, Florida Atlantic University has always been a favorite. It's such a fun school to go to, but I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to upset any other school that we've been to. And even this year with COVID, we did about, I think, up to 20 virtual programs. And then we decided to be the first ones back on campus. So I'll let you guess which states we were able to go to. But we did another 15 programs even this year in person. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing that the work can continue even through such trying times. Exactly. And again, 
it's all about that lens of making something beautiful or something better out of something that's not necessarily positive. People needed us there, you know, even more. I don't even think we were there in a pro-Israel or, you know, raising the profile of a Jewish community at that point. I honestly think we were there for everyone just to give a little bit of a normal world to people. Yes. We had a different mission. Yes, I completely understand. And I think that most of the communities, most of the world has been looking for normalcy in life because it was such an abrupt stopping and pivoting to inner, (laughs) being inside, so our inner work, (laughs) so to speak. So anytime when we can make something feel more normal, that's good, great. Exactly. The healing art kits. So who makes those kits? And I'd love to hear more about that. So I always say this, I want to give credit to a gentleman named Jeff Campion, who was a New York fireman. And he was in on 9-11, he was in and out of the buildings three times. And he saw a child, his third time he was providing whatever, I think CPR to someone. And he saw a child out of the corner of his eye who was obviously being traumatized, but there was nothing wrong. There was nothing physically wrong with the child. And triage says, you, you know, if there's nothing wrong, you, you don't do anything. You help the person whose life is in danger. Right. But he was haunted by that. And he was part of Artist for Israel as an artist because he was also a street artist when he wasn't being a fireman. And he said, you know, what if we did something with this? And so we were able to assemble a team of psychiatrists, psychologists, art therapists, first responders and parents and teachers and said, what do we do? And then there was a number of iterations and it evolved. Jeff, because he was still haunted by what he had seen, ended up, he's no longer with us. I'll just put it like that. And so he never got to see this come to fruition, which makes me, I can't, you know, chokes me up. I just want to say he's the impetus. Like he was it um, and he deserves all the credit. So we just went from there. And ever since, you know, we've worked with partner organizations who have helped us evolve and develop it. And now we've got our site, you know, our, our medical team, our lay team. We work with the Israel Trauma Coalition. We work with a number of different organizations and we create the best product. We've got the product right now, but of course it changes all the time. And what we're seeing is a lot of people using it in ways that we didn't expect and in communities we didn't expect. So then we're constantly changing it to fit the new way it's going to be utilized. So we developed one for in the bomb shelters and then we use them in Chicago. A group in Chicago wanted to use them for kids in high crime gang areas. So of course we had to change it to make sense to that reality, including, you know, just a silly story, but we have a mascot for the kids and he's holding up the peace sign. In Chicago, that's a gang symbol. So we right. had to redo. I'm in Chicago, so yeah. Right, yeah. so everything's a gang. I was like, what can we do? Like, and then I was like, what colors can they be wearing? And, you know, so. That's another problem. Oh yes. my goodness. No, it was, that was the longest issue. We had conversation. Yes. We trained them on how to use it. Everything. We were like, got it, got it, got it. And then we get down to like, what can this mascot be wearing? And what hand gesture can he be making? And that was, you know, a multi-hour conversation until finally, I'm like, let's just get rid of the mascot because we're not going to find a way that we can situate his hands that's not going to be repping some gang. It was crazy. So anyway, my point is, as we use it, we change the elements that are within it. We change the, the activities. We change the images. So it's a work in progress. I wanted to tell you about an organization. This came up for me as you talked about the kits being used in a place in Chicago. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of MASK, Mothers and Men Against Senseless Killings. It was an organization started by Tamar Manasseh 
in Chicago. She works on the South Side. She works in one of these communities that's afflicted by, as we say, senseless killings, lots of drive-by shootings, lots of gun violence, and she's doing great work. They are on a street corner every evening, weather permitting, providing dinner for people in the neighborhood. But more than that, she provides support to the children that have witnessed drive-by shootings, to the families that have suffered from the drive-by shootings. She brings in people that can help them with exactly what you're talking about, the PTSD. I love it. Yeah. And I'll just shout out our partners who was an organization called the Chicago Survivors Network. And what they do is when there is gun violence or any kind of violent crime, they're usually the first ones on the scene. They help navigate the conversation with the police. They help take, if there's a younger child around, take them out of it, you know, distract them, help the family, whatever, you know, they're there just to provide a service. They're social workers on call basically 24 seven. Yes. And they're the ones who, with our other partners, Urban Gateways, and eventually the National Endowment for the Arts ended up funding the program. But Chicago Survivors Networks were the ones on the scene with the healing arts kits in their hands. And amazing. they used them like in ways we never could have imagined. They used them in court when the younger sibling or whoever was in court. You know, you don't want them listening to that kind of thing. Yes. They used them in the morgue yes. when they were identifying the body. I mean, there's just so many ways to use these healing arts kits. And it's crazy to me that something that started in Israel because of rocket attacks by from Gaza into Sterot and the other communities in the envelope is working for these kids in the south side of Chicago. So it really is, yes. we, we live in a very small world, I guess. We do. And I want to go back to Jeff Campion, because we always say, may his memory be for a blessing. Mm-hmm. I think that his memory is for many blessings. And that's beautiful that, you know, unfortunately, he's no longer with us on earth, but that he's soul is so present in doing some healing work. I think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. As much as I want to be saying this pandemic's over, we're done with it and all that. I still think it's important that we're talking about it. And the learning that's come out of how organizations have pivoted to more online and just changed their ways of doing things. So you mentioned some campus programs that you've been able to do during this. What else have you done that's been different during the pandemic? So the campus programs were really great in that we didn't just start talking on camera we really took advantage of the new mediums and we made programs that are super interactive, which is something you don't get often on Zoom that were involved, you know, photography, video, like everything we could figure out that made it as if they were intentional. You know, like we didn't want to just say, oh shoot, this is all we have to do now. No, we wanted to say, if we were starting from scratch, how would we make this as good as possible? So we, you know, we took us a couple of months, but we developed something that was of great quality. The other things we did was bring everything local. So we couldn't do a graffiti mission at all. So we did local murals. So we did something, you know, a couple of murals in front of hospitals to thank the essential workers. We're working on a mural now about ending Asian hate. We're doing murals against anti-Semitism in Europe with our local artists doing it without us going there. Uh, We did tattoo prod, the Healing Inc. Tattoo Project in Las Vegas for the, the Route 91 or Route 66, I forget which, sorry, for the that shooting. And so we just kind of brought everything local. We, so we didn't have to, anything we could do without getting on an airplane was really how we saw it. And that we can do socially distance. 
the tattoos was a little difficult. You know, everyone had to get tested. Everyone had to wear masks, but we were able to navigate it. And in a way, it was really nice to come home. You know, it was really nice to, to realize that we've got things in our own community. We've got resources, we've got people, and we've got relationships that don't involve being all over the world. What else came up for me was that it makes you recognize that you can make an impact, basically, no matter what's thrown at you, that there are always ways to get through something. And as we say, this will pass or, you know, making wine from the grapes, or, right? Absolutely. So it's beautiful how you explained that you've been able to continue to make an impact for good. I love that. You know, I'll I'll tell you when uh, COVID first started, thank God that we live in California. I love LA. I'm the biggest proponent of LA there is. In fact, I like to tell people it's terrible so they don't move here and and make the streets, make it harder during rush hour. But, you know, we went to the beach and my wife and I were like, wow, we have this ability. We're blessed that there's this open beach that we can go to. And we had stopped going to the beach previously because we were busy and, you know, whatever. We had our kid and so we'd go to a park and like whatever it was. And all of a sudden it was a wonderful thing. And I don't say this in light of all the people who suffered greatly. And, you know, thank God we didn't in that case. But we had a moment to stop and say, oh, we can rebuild our lives around a whole different way of thinking about how we interact. And artists will do the same thing. You know, let's not just hold on. And when things get better, maybe we'll go back to our old model. But let's rethink and do things in this new reality in a way that's positive and uplifting. And so I think that's the way we have to be. I love that. And I've had many conversations about this in terms of we could possibly go back to our old models. But isn't it beautiful that we can now bring in new thoughts and new ways of doing it? And this idea of yes, and instead of yes, but. Right. Absolutely. That it just opened up so many more possibilities and doors and avenues to explore. 100%. I love that. I love that way of putting it. Yes. And where do you see artists for Israel going in the future? We just signed a deal with Save a Child's Heart, which is an organization that I love. And the team I've worked with there so far, I also love, where we're going to be giving them the healing arts kits to distribute during their programming. And I don't know how much you know them, but they hold clinics for countries neighboring Israel to look into children's hearts, health. They would hate the way I'm describing this, I'm sure. And then (laughs) children who have crisis, you know, medical issues, who their country doesn't have the resources, they fly them to Israel and they do these massive heart surgeries. And so they're going to be using the kits both in their clinics and for the children who are coming for the heart surgeries. We just started talking with the Israel Trauma Coalition to do it in their centers as well. They maintain all these centers in the South of Israel. So I'm super excited because that's stuff that's like happening now. You know, we're literally in meetings. I think I have a meeting tomorrow with Save a Child's Heart about, you know, just training them on the best ways to use the kits. Uh, College, you know, we're really looking forward to going back. Our artists were so excited to be back on the college campuses and the schools really need us. So yes. we hope to continue that. And, you know, our mural program, you know, obviously the first things we'll do are our murals and our tattoos because those are the most popular of our trips to Israel. But that's, you know, it's on hold. We just don't know when that's going to be. So we're going to continue to figure out local stuff. We are starting a program called Righteous Among the Nations, where right now in Hungary and Portugal were starting this project with individuals who were named righteous among the nations where we're painting their image just to remind those countries of the wonderful things they've done to help the Jewish people in the past 
and that they should continue in that vein of being helpful, but with a sense of pride, like you've done this, you know what I mean? This is something your countrymen did already. And then doing a project called Jewish Heroes, where we're painting murals of Jewish heroes around America. So in a way, we're actually, you know, we're almost doing more now that we're not traveling to Israel. We're just working with a lot of our, what do you call it, with a lot of our alumni who've been to Israel with us and wanted to do something. And now they have that chance. Just beautiful. So it's just grown exponentially. It's always during this past year. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't keep up with the growth of the organization. It's absolutely mind boggling how things just start as this little germ of an idea and then we see it blossom. And it just makes us think we're doing something right, whether it's because the idea is good or because there's some kind of like blessing to it, or there's just the right frequency we're tapping into where we're really, you know, blessed that we're doing whatever it is, we're doing it and it's people are seeing it and they want to be part of it. It's amazing because as you do good, it just grows and snowballs and gets bigger. And then you're affecting more people and they're seeing you do good. So it's driving others to do good. Exactly. And isn't that how, in an ideal world, how everything is? Exactly. Right. That's how it should be. Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about Artists for Israel? You know, I would just say that I'm going to do a shameless plug for money. Always feel free to donate. We're not going to stop you. Um, We grow our work so quickly that, you know, infrastructure has not been able to keep up with it. So I'll say that. And I'll also say, like, the main message of Artists for Israel And, you know, I apologize if people already know this and don't need to hear it, but the main message is that the individual can make a difference. And we started from nothing, quite literally. And, you know, we self-funded our first event and our second and third. (laughs) And, you know, we did it in an art form and have now grown to other art forms that people kind of like didn't know mattered. And now 10 years later, they're saying to us, oh, what's, you know, what can we do? And I'm like, you could have gone, we can go back 10 years and you could have listened to us and we don't, we wouldn't have to be in this place. But my point being that, you know, so much that the individual can do things and that the individual can do it in their own way. We don't need to fit into this mold of how do we support the Jewish people that others are doing? How do we be pro-Israel in a way that's currently acceptable? Like we all have our passions and our individual strengths. Like, and so I just want to always encourage people. And I know your listeners care about this. Like, just don't worry about others. You know, like find your own lane because we're missing. There's so many pieces to this puzzle that we haven't even figured out exist yet. And, you know, there there's a need for whoever they are and however they want to do it to do it. You said probably people know this idea of an individual can make a difference. And yes, many people do. But it's an amazing reminder. We all need those reminders to remember that, yes, me, just little me by myself I can make a difference if I choose to. And that's so powerful. Yeah. So it's nothing wrong with saying it to people that already know it because we all need reminders. I'm glad you said shameless because there's nothing shameful about asking for donations for a cause that's so worthy. So I hope that someone listening is sparked to help you out. And uh, if they do, I hope they say they heard it on the podcast. I just want to know that this podcast is doing good for you too. That is a strong part of my mission. So I hope that happens. Thank you. And just give me the chance to think about these things and talk about these things. It's, it's always great to talk to someone and, and kind of, you know, have a sounding board and figure out, is there something, a different way I can be doing things? And, you know, we've had a lot to talk about and there's a lot to think about going forward. 
There certainly is. And for me, it's so important to continue to have these conversations. So I'm all about what's going on in the Jewish world, what's going on in support of Israel, all of these things and different organizations. So is there anything that comes to mind, initiative, organization that you particularly feel strongly about? I love this question because I don't think we prop each other up enough in this community. I think there's a lot of territorialism and a lot of tearing each other down. You know, we're fighting for the few bucks and the hip hop expression would be, you know, crabs in a bucket. And so I want to, I love, I want to shout out my people. So we're creating this idea of the new paradigm. And that's how do you combine helping people with advocating for Israel? Because it shouldn't be one or the other. And for too long, it's been bifurcated like that. And so my partners, Save a Child's Heart, who I mentioned, who I adore, Israel another organization that I love and adore. And if you want to talk to people, I'm happy to make introductions. There's an organization called WaterGen that is taking humidity and turning it into drinking water, something like that. Oh, yes. I'm familiar with that. They've created a machine that can go into the desert and create the humidity that's in the desert, the driest place in the world, and bring drinking water. So I'm familiar with that organization. Yes. Make water out of the air. Yeah. So they're another amazing organization that, again, is looking at the idea of like, how do we help people and how do we also help the perception of Israel at the same time? So I hope there's not organizations I'm missing. We're very good partners, actually, with a number of campus groups. In particular, I want to shout out the Maccabee Task Force, a huge fan of their model and how they're doing work on campus, which is that they're allowing each school to guide them so that it's not a one-size-fit-all approach. My wife also happens to work for them, but I had a relationship before that, so (laughs) it's not just that. But now that my wife works with them, now I know how smart they are in their hiring process. And, you know, there's probably others I'm forgetting, but I'm a huge fan of the people that I've just said. And the leaders of all these organizations, the directors are so passionate, such good people. So I can't say enough about all of them. I'll shout out one more that, and the reason being is that Mina introduced us. All right. So Israel Link, which is creating education and curriculum around Israel. So that's another one that's great. And they've been on the podcast, but just needed to shout out that Mina introduced me to you. And I'm so grateful to that. And I want to say we don't work in high schools, so I'm not familiar enough with Israel Inc. to say it's good or bad, but knowing Mina, it's probably very, very good. (laughs) So yeah, Mina is terrific in every way. And if she's working on a project, then I am sure it is something that we all want to be involved with. And if we start doing work in the high school space, she's going to be the first one we call. She has an amazing wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. I always end the podcast with asking what you're grateful for. Grateful for that realization of the beach. It really made it super, it changed how things could have gone down. You know, like the feeling of COVID could have been very different for me and my family. My son, Baruch Hashem, is a huge pain in the butt. And I love every minute of it. He's happy and healthy. He's smart. The being the pain in the butt means he's smart. You know what I mean? It's not like he's rebellious for no reason. He's, you can see he's doing what he's doing on purpose. And he's so similar to me, which I'm less grateful about that part because I know I've got a long haul ahead of me. And my wife and I are making Aliyah. So I can't but be grateful for the fact that next time we speak, you know, I'll be seven hours difference from where you are right now or eight, depending, I guess, on the time of year. And yes, yeah, I mean, that's those three things 
there's nothing more important, especially, you know, the wife and kid. That's, and my friend, we talked about, I think it was before we were recording, but my friend who literally, by some miracle that we don't know, I mean, I guess that's why it's a miracle, has seemingly beat an aggressive cancer that they gave him one to three months. And now he's, the cancer's going away. So. Amen to that. Yeah. So. Baruch Hashem for the things we don't, yes. the powers we don't understand. The power of God, the healing power of God. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm grateful to hear your story, learn more about you. I'm a little bit jealous about you making Aliyah, but. You have a spare bedroom. I was just about to say that. On the other hand, I love having more people to go and visit to when I do get back to Israel, uh, hopefully sooner than later. This conversation has been great. I so enjoy speaking with you, hearing your thoughts and hearing about where Artists for Israel has come from and where it's going. And I'm just excited to see everything that's coming up next. So thanks so much. Thank you. It was really fun. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridging Connections podcast. This podcast and Bridges 613 will succeed if its social media reach is wide. Please partner with us to promote this important work. You can follow us on Facebook at Bridges 613 and visit our website at www.bridges613.org. There you can read blogs, listen to past podcasts, and subscribe to our newsletter. Please share the podcast and our social media links with your community and enable others to benefit and learn about the groundbreaking innovation taking place in our beloved Jewish community. Your support is greatly appreciated.